Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. So you can turn in your Bibles with me uh, to Nehemiah. We are, we are moving through Ezra and Nehemiah. You know, one of our themes, I think our main theme, sometimes you could push back and say there are several themes in the book of Nehemiah, right? The, the theme of prayer, that there are 14 prayers in the book of Nehemiah. He was a man of prayer. This theme of perseverance, the theme of leadership. Last week, I thought um, the word of God was very, very instructive towards us uh, when we talk about justice and how that plays out in our society and in our world. Remember Micah 6, 8, seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. I hope, um, I, I know that I had opportunity throughout the course of the week to think about what that looks like. Remember those who are living in poverty, and we remember that poverty causes people to be vulnerable. And that when folks live in poverty and they are vulnerable, um, people often, people uh, um, with means and resources take advantage of the poor. God takes, um, the Lord takes a very low view of that. And the Bible says in so many places, right, that God will execute justice on behalf of the widow and the orphan and the poor. And so we talked about that last week and say, how can I live out then biblical justice in my community? As a follower of Jesus Christ, what in my lifestyle allows me or causes me to go out there? And then how do I treat people having heard what God says? Do I have opportunities or do I need to seek opportunities to care for those who are vulnerable? Um, um, to meet needs for the orphans and the widows, maybe starting in my own church, maybe starting in my own family, maybe starting in my community. So I thought, um, I'm certain we got a good glimpse of, of what God says in his word about justice and about mercy last week. Today we're going to talk about persevering with wisdom in Nehemiah chapter 6, right? We talked about persevering through suffering and persevering through hard work. And this morning we're going to talk about persevering with wisdom in Nehemiah chapter 6. And again, you're going to see, um, um, next slide please. We're going to see Nehemiah, and, and this morning keep this idea Keep this idea of leadership in the back of your mind as we talk about this, right? Um, we're going to talk about some things that are so relevant for each and every one of us. But Nehemiah was a godly leader, and God reveals to us through his word here some things about leadership that, can, that, can, that are relevant um, in our day-to-day -day lives. So here we go. Verses 1 through 8, responding to danger and distractions. Responding to danger and distractions. Um, 
I thought, well, he says, so now when it was reported to Sanballat, Tobiah, to Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I rebuilt the wall and that no breach remained in it, although at the time there, um, I had not set up the doors and the gates, then Sanballat and Geshem sent a message to me saying, come let us meet together. So look, these people have been opposing him for weeks and weeks and weeks, and they've been trying to figure out ways to take down Judah, take down the Jews, and they, now they've decided that they're going to do it through taking out Nehemiah. They wanted to harm him. Now, there's some conversation about, did they just want to do him, do him dirty or did they want to kill him? At this point, I think they were figuring out a way to kill him. Now, now, uh, for me, as a, as a pastor, um, as a pastor, even in a small church, sometimes I feel like I get pulled in 20 or 30 directions. And I feel like, um, I feel like my dog, who every morning when I take my dog out, the first thing she looks for is a squirrel, man. And she's 80 miles an hour after that squirrel, right? Have you ever had those squirrel moments in your life where you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're at work, you're focused, and all the squirrel, and off you go, right? And that happens to me way too many times. But you're gonna, we're going to see here that Nehemiah overcomes these distractions as well as danger in his life. So it says... In verse 4, but one, he sends a messenger, and I like this. He sends a messenger back to them. He doesn't stop working, okay? He doesn't, we're going to talk about that in a minute. He doesn't stop working. He sends a messenger back to them, and he says, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. In a couple of minutes, we're going to talk about, um, um, we're going to talk about some strategies for staying focused, okay? They're for me more than you guys, okay? But, but, you know, you may struggle at times, right? Staying focused on the task at hand. He says, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come to you? Now, look, he made several decisions there. One, these guys who wanted him to come and meet with them, they were not a high enough priority for him to stop the work that God had called him to do. He had sacrificed a lot. He was leaving, you know, the king's house where he was the king's cupbearer, and he was going to be gone for 12 years. He was a leader. He was the governor of Judah now. He's leading God's people. All of this is going on. And these guys, he knows they're after him. They want to kill him. They want to do him harm. But, but he makes a decision. He says, the work that I'm doing is more important than what these guys want to talk about. Man, that's a tough one for me. So now, these guys were his enemies, so maybe it wasn't as complicated, right? He said, mm, you know, they don't have any good thing waiting for me, right? But, but sometimes things come up and you and I have to say, okay, does this meet, the, is, is, is this a real priority? Is this important enough for me to stop my work possibly be distracted, stop my work from which God has, has called me to do, okay, and go and listen to these guys. In your life, you know what those important things are, right? Um, sometimes if, if I have an early day, I might not grab my devotions at 5.30 in the morning. I might grab a cup of coffee, run the dogs, and hit the road because I have early appointments or I'm coming in the building to meet a contractor, whatever it might be. And for me, I know that's not ideal. That's not good. I need to get with Jesus when I first wake up because otherwise I go down the wrong trail sometimes. Now, you might be more, you know, you have your thing. I'm not saying devotions in the morning, devotions at night, whatever works for you. But I'm saying I can't afford to get distracted like that. Maybe it's a small thing like my devotions or maybe it's a big thing. You know what it is in your life. So 
responding to danger and distractions. We're talking about distractions right now. So then, so then, this guy sends a messenger to him a fifth time. These guys are persistent. They're evil, but they're persistent, if nothing else, right? They send a message to him, messenger to him the fifth time. And it says, look, he says, um, I know you guys are planning. So this is where dissension, lying, some people, um, some people, they will try to backdoor you when you're serving the Lord. Now, now remember last week we talked about, we talked about the Jews, their own people taking advantage of their poor. This is coming evil from the outside, right? And he says, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to set up your own kingdom. You're going to make, you're going to make Nehemiah the king. You're going to build this. Oh, we can't wait to run and tell the king, right? And so they're, they're accusing Nehemiah of things they know he's not doing. Verse 7, um, yeah, and that's what they're doing in verse 7. But listen again. So here, Nehemiah in the midst of this danger, in the midst of these distractions, while he's working on the wall, while he's responsible for hundreds, maybe even thousands of people, he says, I sent a message to him saying, such things as you are saying have not been done, but you are inventing them in your own mind. He's like, dude, you're just making this stuff up, man. You're making this stuff up, throwing it against the wall to see what sticks, right? But sometimes, I, and this is called, and it's not on the slide here, but, but this is a good one. This is called poise. Poise in the face of danger. Poise in the face of distractions. Sometimes when, sometimes I lack a necessary amount of poise when I'm dealing with something difficult or a distraction or what do you say a surprise distraction or something goes wrong sometimes I lack poise Nehemiah was cool in his spirit but he was cool in his spirit because he was a man of God and a man of prayer he was he was walking so closely with the Lord that these things didn't catch him off guard Therein lies an answer too. Nehemiah was able to persevere in leadership because he was walking closely with the Lord. He said, you guys are making this stuff up because all they're trying to do is frighten us and get us off task, he says in verse 9, but we're not going to go there yet. So, so Nehemiah knows where he's going. He's walking closely with the Lord. He's a man of prayer. A good leader and, and really, I don't even like to say it that way. I like to say a follower of Jesus who is walking closely with the Lord in his day-to-day -day life will have poise more, more than I currently have, in those difficult situations. Sometimes when we lack that poise, words come out of our mouths towards people. He could have responded a whole bunch of ways to these guys knowing they wanted to kill him and nobody would have blamed him for it, right? I'm not going to give you any examples because then like, I'll, like, it, like I, yeah, no, no examples. And don't start, don't let your mind wander too far. But you might think about what you would say to these people, right? But because they want to kill him, do him dirty, backdoor him, right? All these things. Nehemiah says, no, he's a man of poise. He just gives them a short answer, short enough that they can't do anything with it, right? But he tells them the truth. Poise is important. Um, Dr. Tim Kimmel is a child psychologist out in Phoenix, Arizona. And I taught his, uh, uh, I taught parenting classes 
it was a parenting group in my former church, and, and I loved it because I thought I was going to get all the parents of teenagers. I was getting all the parents of littles, and they said, help us get ready for when they're teenagers. I said, oh, this is so good. I love you guys, right? And, but some of the building blocks, Dr. Kimmel was teaching parents, and I got to share this with parents, how to build some of these characteristics into their young children so that when they were 17, 18, 20 years old and they experienced danger, distractions, disruptions, ignorant people, oh, I'm not supposed to say that in church, with difficult and challenging people and circumstances, they would respond with poise. I see young people and I watch sometimes how they respond and I watch, um, um, and I've had, I've loved being out at Towson University these last seven or eight years because I watch young adults and, and, and you guys, when you were in school, you guys gave me hope, man. You renewed my hope for the next generation. I saw young adults on a regular basis respond with poise in difficult circumstances because they were walking closely with the Lord. Anyway, that was all free. There's not even a slide for that one. But, but Nehemiah, good leadership requires poise, especially in the face of danger and distractions. Next slide. Um, staying focused on the mission. Staying focused on the mission here. We see this in verse 1, right? Um, there is a picture, right, of a target, and the arrow is right in the center of the target, and Nehemiah stayed focused. I'm not going away from my work. I'm not going away. I'm staying here. Matter of fact, I'll delegate. I'll send somebody else to give those guys a message. Secondly, Nehemiah recognized the danger. Sometimes you and I, when we're out serving the Lord or just living your life or going to work, walking closely with the Lord, God will reveal difficult or dangerous situations to you. I've lived on and off Green Mountain Avenue now for almost eight years. God has revealed some things to me. A couple of times I ended up places just by negligence where at certain times and certain streets where I shouldn't have been. I wasn't doing anything wrong, but God said, <clears throat> you missed the beat on that one, Hoss. You need to get out of here. And, and so, did I say Hoss? Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. So, so... In walking closely with the Lord and the times that I'm walking in the Spirit, I kind of, I, I, I know most of the time where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to stop and be with somebody who's not on my schedule, right? When God brings a strategic opportunity or even a challenging or dangerous one. But I, you, we need to know when to stop and do it. We need to know when to pivot. And this is what God does. But Nehemiah stays focused. He doesn't leave the work. He recognizes the danger, and he knows that God's going to take care of him. Next slide. So, so recognizing fear and responding wisely here in verse 9. Watch this. We do get verse 9 on this one. Okay. So for all of them were trying to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged with the work, and it will not be done. What does Nehemiah do? He responds with prayer. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. How many times a day have I prayed? Now, O oh God, strengthen my hand um, in your work, in your community. When you're sharing Christ with people, when you're out doing your job and you have to work with people who don't have the same work ethic that you do, or you're working with people, certainly out in the community, you're going to work with people who don't know Jesus, right? They're not going to do the things the same way that you do them. 
So responding wisely. Man, when I'm walking closely with the Lord like Nehemiah, I will know how to respond wisely in those difficult situations and circumstances with coworkers who don't do things the same way I do them. God's going to say, hey, have some patience here, right? I'll intervene, or this person will see what you're doing a little bit further down the road, so you don't have to beat them over the head with tell them you're right. I don't always have to be right right in the moment. I don't have to hit them over the head with my 25-pound King James. I just sometimes, I just need to be quiet. Yeah, I got one. I just sometimes, I just need to be quiet and do my work wisely, because that's what God told me to do in that particular moment. I mean, that's good for all of us, right? Whether we're students in the workplace, right? So, so responding wisely. Nehemiah also recognizes, he recognized that they were, they wanted him to be afraid. But guess what? God strengthened my hand. Diane will share her testimony with you. You can ask her. I'm allowed to say this. She said, when we came to Baltimore City, any and every fear, God just removed it from her life. She didn't even know which fear she was supposed to have or not have. God just removed all fear from her life. Now, she's, she's not dumb. She doesn't just run out in the middle of the street. She doesn't do crazy things. But God, why? God removed the fear from her in preparation for her to be here serving the Lord in Green Mount Avenue. But we had to recognize those fears too. What fears am I susceptible to, right? Sometimes I'm a people pleaser. I want people to like me. That could be, I, I might fear that you won't like me, but, but I need to be more concerned with what God is saying to me and what, what God has for me than whether or not you like me. So sometimes I will respond strongly about something because God has told me to. But you see, you know the difference now, right? Nehemiah knew the difference. So, and he also responded with prayer. Hey, watch this. This was a short prayer because a lot was going on. Sometimes... Sometimes when you're in the thick of it, in the workplace, at school, on Greenmount Avenue, but now, oh God, strengthen my hand because I'm going to need it for the next five or seven minutes. Lord, strengthen my hand. Sometimes I say, Lord, keep my hand down so I don't slap somebody. No, no, seriously. I said, but now, oh Lord, strengthen my hand. God, give me strength for this work. Give me strength to do this the way I know Jesus wants me to do it. I don't want to miss the mark, which is a good definition for sin, by the way. I don't want to miss the mark right? I want to have poise. I want to be a man, a person of prayer. I want to walk closer. I want to be like Nehemiah, Lord, here in what you've called me to do. Okay, secondly, number two, discernment. What we're going to see in verses 10 through 14 is going to be discernment in action. This is, this is, these are things that you're seeing throughout the book of Nehemiah, right? But, but here we're seeing discernment in action. Okay, take a deep breath. We're going to talk about discernment for a minute. Um, next slide. Um, this is one of my definitions of discernment, so take it or leave it. Um, there's nothing special about it. Discernment is the ability to see things for what they really are and not for what you want them to be. Oh, that wasn't my definition of discernment. Nope, I can't lie about that. What happened there? Oh, it tricked me. Oh, I gave one away. All right. Discernment, the ability to judge well, understand circumstances, and how to respond wisely, specifically under stressful or trying times. That's what we've been talking about the last seven or eight minutes, right? So discernment, that's just my, de one of, that's just my definition. Might be worth five cents, it might not. But here's what the Word of God says on the next slide. 
Um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and fools despise wisdom and instruction. I've shared this with you before. One of the things my father did when he came to know Jesus, um, um, he didn't just become all soft. My dad was a tough guy, right? My dad would just tell us, and, and you better do it, right? So my dad used to make us read the Proverbs, especially when we got in trouble. Like, he wouldn't always punish us, punish us, but he would make us read the Proverbs, and we thought that was punishment sometimes anyway, right? So I'm going to give you a couple of my dad's favorites, okay? The fear of the Lord, Proverbs chapter 1, is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So my definition, fear of the Lord, is being in right relationship with God's here. I'm here. I hold him in all reverence and respect. So I'm, the fear of the Lord is right relationship with God. In right relationship with God, he will give me knowledge that leads to some other things. But I'm also capable of being a fool. And fools despise wisdom and instruction. Oh, man, I got this. You ain't telling me what to do. Uh-uh. No. No. Teacher, spouse, boss, you ain't telling me what to do, right? No, that's, and that is by definition foolish. Anyway, the fear of the Lord, where do I get the fear of the Lord? Where do I understand that? In God's word. How do I get knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and discernment? In God's word, from God's word. Here, my favorite one is on the next slide. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You want to go down the right path this week? In your, in your life, you want to get up tomorrow morning and go down the right path, right? Here's what you do. Don't lean on your own understanding. Now look, God's going to give you understanding. There are some things you know and there are some things that you don't know, right? So, was that redundant? So, but, so, so, slow down, Charlie. When he says don't lean on, don't always count on your own understanding. You want to get down the right path tomorrow morning? Trust God. Don't lean on your own understanding. In everything that you're thinking about doing, all your ways, school, work, relationships, fun, whatever it might be, you're doing some business, you want to buy a new car, you, you got to take care of this, you got to handle this. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will send you down the path that you need to go down that day. Okay, another verse. I'm not overdoing this, I promise. Discernment is very important. Um, 1 John 4, 1 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. A lot of false prophets will say something, make you go, hmm, that sounds a little bit like Bible, that sounds a little bit like God, but something about it just makes me say, hmm, right? When you get that, that's the one you're supposed to trust because that's coming from the Holy Spirit. Then you got to double check what you just heard, right? So, so that's the Holy Spirit in your life getting with your spirit saying, hey, mm, that doesn't sound quite right. Let me check this out with the Holy Spirit. Let me check this out in prayer. Let me check this out in God's word. Let me go to my trusted person in my life and ask them, whatever it might be, okay, but 1 John 4, 1, why? Holy Spirit gives you discernment. Holy Spirit resides in you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. So if something, somebody says something or there's, there's something going on and, and something in your spirit says, mm, mm, that doesn't sound right. Mm, maybe I'm not going down that way. You know what? Here's, what, here's how we'll miss it. And we're going to talk about this in a minute is being in too big of a hurry. 
When I live my life in a hurry, that's how distractions happen. That's how I choose my own way instead of God's way. Because at 100 miles an hour, when you're making a decision, often it can be the wrong one. As a matter of fact, four-and-a-half-year-old Laney, little girl, stood in the front yard waving goodbye to her friends who had come over to play. From our laundry room window, I watched as she continued to wave, even bending down to make sure the trees weren't blocking their view of her as the car disappeared down the road. But then I saw her drop her head in sadness and walk toward our tree-lined driveway. She vanished from my sight as she headed around our garage and made her way to our back door. I expected to see a sad face when she came in, but instead there was a smile. She ran and busied herself with something else, and a little later I was passing by with a basket of laundry, and she nonchalantly said, Mom, God talked to me under the trees. Well, what did he say to you, I asked in response. He said it's okay when your friends leave. A smile broke out on my face as I said, oh, that's why you were smiling when you came in. I wondered because I knew you were sad that your friends went home. I loved that Laney listened to and was able to be comforted by God. A smile broke out in my heart when I considered how God cared for my little girl. Actually, his little girl. And I was reminded of how he longs to always be our comforter no matter the age of his kids or the situations that make us sad. Here's what happens. Have you heard yourself say or have you been thinking, I'm so busy. Is it even possible to slow down? It's hard to see how church on Sunday intersects with my life the rest of the week. My spiritual life has hit a plateau, whatever it might be. But on the way back in, you see Lainey has slowed down and God spoke to her under the trees as she was walking back. Why? Because she stood still, because she slowed down. Does God still speak to us that way? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of my greatest, my, one of my greatest enemies is busyness. Because that's where, it's during those times that if I'm not right, I lack that discernment that God would give me had I slowed down. Take a step back, catch a breath. I don't have to respond right away. I don't have to take that commitment. I can think about it for a minute. Wow, think about, I'm thinking about what that would do in my life, not yours. No, just kidding. So, so this idea of discernment becomes so important. It does. So here we go, a couple of quotes and we'll move on. But these are good ones. Um, Discernment is not a matter of simply telling the difference between right and wrong. Rather, it is telling the difference between right and almost right. Charles Spurgeon. I know, right? Spurgeon always gets us right. Old school. The heart of spiritual discernment is being able to distinguish the voice of the world from the voice of God. We just talked about that, right? And uh, we don't know who said that. They didn't, they didn't give credit on the thing I was reading. Discernment is the ability to see things for what they really are and not for what you want them to be. Mm. Sometimes God's going to, you might want to do something. You might want to be with somebody. You might want to take action. You might want to acquire something for yourself. Oh, it's good. I can see this. It's good. It's the ability to see them the way God sees them, not the way I want them to be. I like Dr. J, uh, uh, David Jeremiah. This is a time, and he's talking about the times in which we live, right? Great um, theologian and teacher. 
This is a time when all of God's people need to keep their eyes and their Bibles wide open. We must ask God for discernment as never before. Couldn't be more relevant. I don't know when he wrote it, and I like Dr. David Jeremiah, but he wrote it. As a matter of fact, on the next slide, Proverbs 17, 27, and 28, my dad, my father made us memorize this. You'll, you'll know why in a minute. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man or woman of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered to be wise when he closes his lips. He is deemed intelligent. So watch this. Even a fool, when he shuts his mouth, someone might actually think he's wise because if his mouth is shut, he can't say anything ignorant. My dad made, me, made us kids memorize that verse. Even a fool is thought to be wise when, he's, when he is silent. So, oh man, ye out, right? But here again, discernment. Discernment and poise, right? Discernment. I know when to speak and I know when not to speak. Well, sometimes that's true of me. I'm just making an objective statement here. I know, I know when to say something and I know when not to say something. I also know when to pray and ask God to shut my mouth for me. Or I also know when to pray to God to give me the courage to say something difficult when I'm supposed to. We need to know the difference. And if we don't know the difference in the moment, it's better to count to 10. Or if you're like me, count to 337 before I say something. Amen? All right. So, so this idea of discernment, you know, talk about a, a, a characteristics and qualities of a good leader, Nehemiah. Nehemiah had this discernment. He had poise, which wasn't even up there, but we talked about it. But this discernment, this idea, God can give this to you. He can give it to me if I'll slow down, if I'll slow down and ask him for it. If I'll slow down and be like Nehemiah and God will, God will allow me to see the bigger picture. God will allow me, he'll tell me when to make a commitment and when to step back. He'll tell me when to serve with somebody or when not to. He'll tell me when, uh, when it's best for me to enter into uh, a romantic relationship or when not to. These are all the things, this discernment. But it comes from walking. Remember, Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He wept and prayed and fasted before God for four months before he asked the king to let him take his people back and rebuild this wall. Okay, then number three, and finally, rewards of persevering with wisdom. Rewards, we're going to see that in the closing verses here. Um, we're going to see that in the closing verses here of the chapter. Verses 15 and 16. Uh, as a matter of fact, he prays in verse 14, and he's done this a couple times already. Remember, O oh my God, Tobiah and Sanballat, according to the works of theirs, and also Noadiah, the false prophet. So we didn't even talk about what was happening here. But a false prophet, and this will happen, people will do this sometimes. The false, they were trying to get Nehemiah. They said, people are trying to kill you. Come on, I'll take you in the temple and hide over here. Come on and hide in the temple. Well, one, Nehemiah was probably a eunuch. That thought never crossed my mind. I've read that in my book, Smarter People Than Me. Often, if you were in the king's court, um, they felt like you, a man needed to be that way in order to have the trust of the king. That's all I'm going to say about it. And if you don't know what a eunuch is, go home and look it up. So, so he was probably a eunuch. 
which meant he wasn't allowed to be in the temple to begin with. He said he worshiped God. He wasn't a priest, so he was probably a eunuch. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't supposed to be in the temple. These guys were just trying to set him up, and the Bible says so that they could bring a reproach on his name. And that would undermine his authority, and it would have been wrong for him to go in the temple, and it would have been wrong for him to be afraid of these guys. And if he had become afraid and hid, run and hid, run and hide, if he had done that, everyone would have known about it because they would have broadcast it and put him on display, right? So it would have undermined his authority, ruined his position as governor, and brought reproach on Nehemiah's name and on the name of the Lord. Sometimes there are people out there who would love to set you up. They think they don't like you, but who they really don't like is your God, and they don't like Jesus. Now look, sometimes we make it way too easy for them because we go out there and we'll do some things and we'll reproach the Lord's name on our own, right? That, now, I'm talking about this guy here. God gave him the discernment and the wisdom to see what was coming, and he didn't allow himself to be put in that position as though his name was not reproached, the name of the Lord was not reproached. Okay, next slide. So here's what happens. This is one of the rewards of discernment, the rewards of perseverance. Um, Miss Janine read our scripture this morning in verses 15 and 16. So the wall was completed in 52 days. Now some say it was really like two and a half years of all the pre-work, and then the actual work was 52 days. I don't want to get into all that arguing, but, but the wall was completed in 52 days. And he said, when all our enemies heard of it, the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence for they recognized this work and they recognized it had been accomplished with the help of our God. Here's what happens. If you stick it out, if you persevere, if you're walking closely with the Lord and exercising discernment in your day-to-day -day life, you don't have to respond to all the craziness. You don't have to respond to the people who are after you most of the time. God is going to prove you out. God is the one. You're going to accomplish your goal. You're going to serve the Lord. So you're going to do what God has called you to do. You're going to hit the mark. You're not going to miss the mark. Why? Because you're walking closely with the Lord. Because God's giving you wisdom. Because God's giving you discernment. Like he's doing for Nehemiah. And then what happened? We finished the wall in 52 days. And our enemies lost their confidence. Now look, we're going to hear later on. They just keep coming back, man. They're like a, I don't know, man. They're like a bad meal. They just keep coming back, right? But, but for the time being, they lost their confidence. That's when you and I walk closely with the Lord, when we're trusting him with all our heart, not leaning on our own understanding. Over a period of time, God's going to do what God's going to do, and you and I just need to trust him, right? And Nehemiah knows when to take action. He knows when to say something, when not to say something. He knows where to go, where not to go, all because of the discernment that God gives him, but perseverance. Sticking it out. You don't have to answer every clown that insults you. You don't have to. You don't. You don't have to go there. Sometimes you can say no. You know what? The Lord says that's not who I am, so I'm not listening to that. Sometimes you don't even have to respond to the person. Why? Because in 52 days your wall is going to be built, and God's going to be accomplishing the purposes for which He has called you to serve Him. Amen. Amen. Man, and you're going to love that. You're going to say we win. I walked closely with the Lord and I won. I didn't get caught up in that. I didn't sin over here. Sometimes it might just be getting through the day without messing something up. But God gave you the direction and he kept you out of that. Or he put you into something good.
But persevere, don't give up. Don't quit, persevere, walking closely with the Lord. Last slide, I said great leadership takes place in right relationship with Jesus. Don't misunderstand me. There are men and women out there who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but they exercise good, they exercise good things and their good principles in their day-to-day -day lives, whether it's in business or relationships, and they are able to accomplish some goals that look like this. But for you and for me, as followers of Jesus Christ, great leadership takes place in right relationship with Jesus. It starts with walking closely with the Lord. Trusting him, not leaning on your own understanding. Where does that start? That starts with knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That starts with saying, God, you know better than me. God, forgive me for my sins. Jesus, be my Savior. Jesus, I do want to be with you for eternity. Forgive me. You are the Savior of the world. Sometimes I feel like I still want to be in charge, but Jesus, I know better. I know you're the one that needs to be in charge of my life that's when good things start to happen. That's when good things started to happen for me in my life when I said, Jesus, your way, not my way. That's when I, God humbled me and I surrendered my life to him. And a long time ago, I, I, I got clean from an addiction to cocaine and alcohol. You know, I said, I'm going to humble myself in my marriage and quit acting like a, well, fill in the blank. And, and imagine that. And... And later this month, our Lord be willing, and Diane continues to live with me. We'll have been married for 37 years. That's just a personal testimony. But, but you have a testimony too, right, of, of saying, hey, walking closely with the Lord does require some difficult things. It requires me saying, God, you're in charge, not me. You know better, not me. I need to humble myself. I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to ask for help. But God will give you the discernment in the moments in which you need them. And that's what he did for Nehemiah. I, I, I think we could talk about a lot of things, but I think that's a great lesson for us in Nehemiah chapter 6. And, and so as, um, as I close today and, and as I get to pray for us and pray for you before we worship again, great leadership takes place in right relationship with Jesus. If you already know Jesus, it might just be that prayer that you prayed at communion. Jesus, forgive me for my sins this week. Tomorrow's Monday. Today's Sunday. Jesus, let's go, man. It's a fresh week. Let's go. Give me that discernment, Lord Jesus, please. So we'll go to the Lord in prayer and then continue in worship.